Flying Coach is back for a second season, Peter Schrager and Rams head coach Sean McVay are joined by guests from around the sports and entertainment world. They're discussing the latest NFL news, telling stories from their careers, and breaking down games from their unique perspectives. Check out Flying Coach Season 2 on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. That can beat the Red Sox, Jordan. We did it. Unlike the New York Yankees, we have defeated the Boston Red Sox. Oh, we have. We kept them in check. That great Boston Red Sox offense is no match for our pitching staff. Mm. Not a problem here. We're not grounding into any double plays. We're coming up with clutch hits. And you know what, Jake? Also, unlike the team we're not referencing but are referencing, we're having fun. We're having a, a good time. time. We're have having a, a good time. time here on Baseball Barbecue, and we have a great episode lined up for you today. We are, of course, going to talk about those pitiful, pathetic New York Yankees. Ooh, <laughs> we're going to tell, but we're not going. We're not going to lead with that because they, they, you know they're not that bad. But we're, of course, we're going to talk about the epic hot stretches, the the never ending. Uh, hot streaks of Kyle Schwarber and Shohei Otani. We are going to revisit our preseason wagers with Jake Mintz over, uh, uh, you know, some over-under bets and the crazy shit he'll do if he was wrong about those. Talk about those at the end. Of course, we've got some good, bad, ugly. We're going to talk about the crazy COVID kerfuffle that happened in Omaha at the College World Series. Uh, and then we are going to update you on a little thing called Jake biking to Chicago because that is really Let's happening. Go. It is happening kind of soon. And so we are going to talk about that at the very end. Uh, and we're also going to do a little hot stove chat, or are we? It's still barely June, which means we're not quite in trade deadline month, but we're going to talk about that as well. But Jake Mintz, where must we begin? Let's start with the hot streaks, Jordan. And I have a question to pose regarding the hot streaks of Shohei Otani, Vladimir Guerra Jr., and Kyle Schwarber. Uh, in the world, which I'm sure you've heard of, uh, there are these things called heat waves, Jordan. There's one uh, currently devastating, I believe, the Pacific Northwest. Right now, there's one in the Midwest. Uh, I would say that at a certain point, it is no longer a heat wave. It is global warming, right? <laughs> at that, some point, it is the thing. It's just not a, a, a fluke. It's like, oh, no, you are this. Exactly. So my, my question for the baseball perspective is, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a hot streak anymore. I think this is just Shohei Otani. And yes. I think this is just Vlad Jr. I don't oh. think this is just Kyle Schwarber. That's... Kyle Schwarber is a heat wave. The other let's, two are global warming. Let's 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 start with Schwarber actually, because of course we've we've already talked plenty about Vlad and Otani. Although I, I have more to say about Otani for sure, but I want to start with Schwarber because last week we gave him love in the sense that it was like, wow, he's hot, and the Nationals aren't very good. You were like, oh, maybe he could be a great trade chip. He's on a, a one year deal, and the Nationals are not that good. Well, since then. He has continued to homer, and more importantly, the Nats have started to win. They are now just a few games back of the Mets, and I think, as many people have started to point out, Mike Rizzo, he just, he ain't selling. They would have to be so far back on July yeah. 31st to yeah. see this. So, so I'm going to squash that idea, but let's focus on this Kyle Schwarber hot streak. He's now the third player ever to have 15 homers in a 17-game stretch, joining 
what's his name? Bond, Bonds. Bar, right? Barbled. And I think it was Sam, Barbled Bonds. Uh, Sa- Sa- Sammy Sosa, right? Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds. Really good hitters. They hit a lot of home runs. Those three guys, the only guys to ever do that. Up to 15 homers, uh, of course, in the month of June. He's doing all of this from the leadoff spot, which is hilarious and wonderful. And we knew this, that Schwarber's a streaky hitter. I mean, remember, he had a crappy 60 games last year. He gets non-tendered, and it was like, okay, well, that was just a crappy 60 games. That wasn't a bad season. That was a crappy 60 games. And now he's having an unbelievable 60 games, and he looks like the best hitter in the world. If he had done this, if his current 60 games was last season, he just would have won the MVP, right? Like, it's, right. that's what makes <laughs> last season so silly and goofy. But what I liked about this hot streak for Schwarber is that it started off with all these very arbitrary, dumb, fun facts. And I think you you quote tweeted one of them. And the Nats Twitter account, we love them. But they do really let you know when it comes to arbitrary fun facts. And there were some ridiculous ones. But as the hot streak progressed, those fun pa- facts became more and more legitimate to the point that now it's literally yes. like Schwarber Sosa Bonds. I really, really like that. Right. And like, sure, 15 and 17 is arbitrary too. But like, you don't have to over-explain that. 15 homers and 17 games is absurd. And like, it really... it. W- this is the kind of hitter he is. And we saw it in the Derby and we saw it. We've seen it throughout his career when he was carrying the Cubs, you know, at, at times when they were, you know, still had World Series aspirations. And like, we don't necessarily have to get into, wow, the Cubs could really use a Kyle Schwarber type right now. But it was the perfect gamble for the Nats. He really does make their lineup way scarier as we thought that, that he could. But this is at a time when Soto has been merely solid, right? Trey Turner has been excellent, but Soto is still really not gotten going at any point this season. He's still getting on base, but he's not driving this offense. So to have Schwarber doing it and keeping the Nats in a, in, in a division when the Phillies and Braves cannot get out of their own way, it has been crucial. And I think it will keep him on the team and he will continue to torment Bobby Wagner's Mets. And Schwarber is particularly great when he's going well, because he makes major league baseball look like slow pitch softball. <laughs> Just because of the way that his swing works, right? He like drops the hands and he kind of is looping them up and it looks like he's swinging a 20 ounce bat and it it just, the whole thing slows down and it's basically like a hall of fame version of Matt stairs when everything's (laughs) clicking for that guy. Bobby, you've watched Schwarber hit, I believe seven homers against the Mets in like the last 10 days. How are you feeling? I feel fine. Not worried about it at all. Good for him. He's having a great time. He's getting his revenge for 2015. I understand. Whatever. Schwarber's hard hit percentage lower than last year. He had a 219 <laughs> BABIP last year. 219. Yeah. It was not a season. It was not a season. Right. For a million reasons, it was not a season. But he has a two, 270 BABIP this year, and he has 24 home runs. So, like, those are 100% BABIP when they go over the fence. So, it's still really low. I don't know what's going on there. Kyle Schwarber... Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Schwarber, not this good, not that bad. Ride the wave as long as you can, Nats fans. You know who is this good, though, is Shohei Otani. Okay. Holy crap. Because <laughs> every time, every time he homers, I say, holy shit, to myself. This is what I was going to ask. When I get I was, the notification on my phone. Every so time I say it. I was going to... to, to do this Twitter poll yesterday, right? So we, I think we've mentioned this in the show. We follow at MLBHR, one of our most important, uh, you know, even desert, in, in the- Desert even, Island Twitter follow. Even in the juice ball era, we like to have notifications for every home run because every home run has a story, right? We, we like to know when they're happening. But How do you think I congratulate Reese Hoskins in time, How do you think people? he congratulates Reese Hoskins within 30 seconds? Exactly. I'm not watching every Phillies game. Over the last, you know, three weeks, we're getting these notifications. Oh, here's, a, okay. Which of these three, Vlad- Otani Schwarber has made you say no fucking way or start laughing maniacally or like, oh my God, like who is it? The Otani ones. I I agree. The Otani ones are the ones where I'm like, I cannot believe this is happening and make me want to go watch them as soon as possible. Yes. Right? Because the, he's now, he's, I, I wrote a piece for Fox Sports earlier doing the raw power rankings. And I think I put Otani at like six or seven. I'm now feeling that is way too low. I don't know how I could have him really anything less than probably second or third at this point behind only Stanton. He's regularly just hitting balls 115 plus, which is again, a very small number of players that are even physically capable of doing that. The balls that he's doing it on, it's all kinds of different pitches. He's doing them oppo. He's doing inside curveballs. He's, he's, you know, taking inside fastballs 95 and going out the other way. And it's it's crazy because he's gigantic. And the way that his swing, his setup is, makes it look like it wouldn't even be possible for him to get to pitches on the inside. And he is just 
a freak. He is a freak. It is unbelievable to watch, and it is a joy. And I'm honestly, sometimes I just forget that he's even pitching at all. And yeah, he's going to pitch in Yankee Stadium tomorrow. <laughs> when he showed up a couple years ago, and he hit his first couple home runs, there was almost like a, you know, like a circus aspect to it for a lot of fans who never watched him in Japan. That was like, what does this actually look like? What is Shohei Otani hitting a home run look like? How is it possible he's a pitcher? That energy, there's that still percolates whenever he homers for me. It's like, oh, it's still a fluke. Like, there's no way he could actually do this again. Like, and every Otani home run adds to the kind of inexplicability of him existing in the first place, right? Each home run he hits that puts him closer to winning the home run chase this season as a freaking pitcher is just more and more jaw dropping. I am in awe of him at every turn. But whereas for like Vlad, it's an it, there's an inevitability to Vlad homering. It's like okay, well his name's Vladimir Guerrero. We've known about him since he was fourteen, right? We've like, known about him since oh, he was two. Runs in the big league <laughs> since he was two. Since Come he was two, on. right? Like, like like duh. I would be more worried if Vladimir. It's more notable to me like if Vlad Junior was not in the right. big leagues, like right. not a professional baseball player, and, right? Whereas for for Otani, it's like he just kind of like parachuted into into our American baseball lives, like. For again, most under most underpaid Bobby Wagner, go like most underpaid athlete in the history of sports. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Most underpaid athlete in the history of sports. It's not yeah. even close. Like it is highway yes. robbery. And the, to that point, you know, about, about Vlad, same thing with Schwarber. You watch Schwarber, it's like, oh, he hit another home run. It's like, well, I know what that looks like. It's awesome. It's great. I still, everything that Otani does is mesmerizing, not to mention the fact that he's like one of the 20 fastest players in the league. Like he's like legging out triples. He's stealing bases. He's doing, and he's not, he, he, I'm sure he would be playing like a gold glove caliber right field if they let him, right? I have no doubt about that. A uh, couple, a couple other Otani things. The people, you know, I, I've had, I've had a thread going um, this season of all the pitcher dingers, the actual pitcher dingers. We haven't had one for a few weeks, basically being like, oh my God, like pitchers this year, and I'm going to update you now. Pitchers this year, are hitting, and you guys know where we stand on Universal DH. Just bring it on, okay? Pitchers this year are hitting 108, 148, 136. Six home runs in over 10, in over 2,000 plate appearances, okay? Pitchers suck. And I tweet this out, say, pitchers suck at hitting. We don't need this anymore. Like, oh, what about Otani? He's not a pitcher. He's Stop. he's an Otani. He's his own thing. Yes, he is a pitcher. He's that an does Otani. make him more amazing. But w- it's ridiculous to just be like, oh, he's a pitcher. No, no, no. He's a, he's Shohei Otani. He's a, he's a one of one. I don't know if we'll ever see this again. Whether we, whether he does bring in the notion that baseball teams believe that teams can develop players as two way players. If that happens, great, awesome. Maybe we'll have more of that. I don't know if we'll ever see anything like this again. Where someone who has some of the best shit in baseball. He's not one of the best pitchers because he still can't throw strikes. But the point is, is that he's still a good pitcher and he is maybe one of the five best hitters in the world. And that is unfathomable and completely unbelievable to watch. The last thing I want to make, uh, or two more things about Otani because I mean, there's endless, but we should do this every two weeks because it's holy fuck. One, people say, oh, he's a video game character. Well, <laughs> my brother plays a lot of MLB The Show 2021 and he, you know, we do career mode, we do road to the show. And what we've learned is like, oh, we do career mode and we, or we do franchise mode, right? And we, we want, of course, we want to get Otani on our team. The game cannot even fathom Shohei Otani. Like when you try to have Otani <laughs> in your franchise mode, he's, he can't because his energy is always sapped because he's pitching and then he can't, like the game doesn't even register. It doesn't work. Like he's not this because he's beyond the scope of what you would even program in a video game. <laughs> like, it's like not even good to have Otani in the Elmer's show. And that, that really hammers home yeah. uh, how ridiculous it is. And then the last thing about it is that I, I know, you know, the Angels fans will say this, why you guys really show the Angels. Here we are again. Mike Trout now hasn't even played Come in on. a month. But now the Angels, not only, I mean, this was true from the beginning when Choi Otani somewhat inexplicably just chose to sign with them. Specifically, <laughs> I know I sound like a Salty Mariners fan, but it is still basically luck that okay, they it, chose. Jordan does sound like a Salty Mariners fan, but I yes. ask everyone out there, would you pick the Angels? That's all I got. <laughs> okay, but to, to this point is is whether they picked him or not, Say, but say they deserve to get him. Okay, the point is, is that you got him. You're paying him like $2 million. You have a generational talent. Again, he's doing shit that you could not even fathom and they're still under 500. He's doing all he can. He's basically winning games on his own, and they're still going to probably miss the playoffs by 15 games. And it's just like, all right, like I, we, it's the same conversation as Trout, except now you have both of them. I know Trout's been hurt, but it's like, what, what the fuck? What the? Fu- I mean, what do you, what do you do here? I, I don't know. It, it just makes it more depressing. Most unforgivable roster construction. Yeah, 
decade in sports really history. Really bad. You can't do uh, it. It's just unacceptable. And then the last happen. thing, last thing is that he's in the home run derby and it's going to be unbelievable. I hope. Yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk <laughs> about that as we get closer. Yeah. A lot of home run derby thoughts. Absolutely. But we'll get but closer. We'll, we'll get to those. Uh, all right. Yeah. Those are our, our hot streak check-ins. Let's talk about a team that is not so hot, Jake Mintz. Let's talk about the the mm. the, uh, the Highlanders as they maybe should go back to being called. We got a team who is hotter than hot. Uh, the New York Yankees lost their sixth consecutive game. They have, they're now 0-6 against their rival Boston Red Sox. They are, as we record this on Tuesday afternoon, June 29th, half game behind the Seattle Mariners somehow, someway. No! Really? Half game back of the Mariners. They're six, ah! game back. <laughs> they're six back of the second wild card. Vibes are whatever the opposite of immaculate is. <laughs> the vibes are that. They're they're immaculate. Now, we've had a lot of ups and downs. They had that terrible start. We were like, oh my God, the Yankees suck. Then they got hot again. And we were like, see, they don't suck. But now we've settled into a stage where I think it is very clear that the Yankees are not a great baseball team. We put them in the motherfucker tier before the season started because we looked at the roster and said, how could this team be bad? Even though you're banking on all the injuries, they have the depth, they have these stars, and the guys were healthy. And, and when they went hot in May, it was like, okay, see, this is what we're talking about. This is not a great baseball team. It is just not. Could they be a good baseball team? Probably still yes. But this is not a great baseball team. And if they don't make the postseason, I will not be surprised. So I'll start there. The vibes are important. Vibes do not win you championships alone. Okay, but they can certainly detract from a regular season success. Okay, the major league, the season is an absolute grind day after day. You have to go in and at least to some extent enjoy what it is that you are doing. The Yankees do not look like they are having a good time. That is not the be all and end all, but it does not help things. There is an energy around the team that feels stuck. You know, when you're in a rut in life and you're just wearing your pajamas till 2 p.m., and like, you just feel like a bum. That's the Yankees right now. It's just sluggish. It, there's no verve to it. There's no life. And like, I will never advocate for any manager or anyone to lose their job unless they do something immoral. That's not how I roll. That being said, I would not hire Aaron Boone right now to run the Yankees is how I <laughs> right, would put it. Right. And if Aaron I Boone does get fired, it's not a, like running to hire Aaron Boone. Right. But, it's, and I don't think it's his fault. Like, no, this is not. not on him. He is not the, the problem. He is he not, is not the, problem. the problem, but he may be a problem. And I think that the Yankees, the clock is now ticking. It's it's not funny anymore. Right? It was funny at the beginning of the year for the rest of us. And now it's really like curious rubbernecking is what's happening. And we're reaching a point getting close to the all-star break where it can go one of two ways, right? It can continue to spiral out of control or they can get back on track. And what do you think is going to happen? Like, what I what do you think is going to happen? I, this is the thing. So I don't know, as with any Yankee season, whether they're in first place or struggling like this, we come to the deadline. It's like, you've got to make a move. You've got to trade for a star. You've got to do this, Right. I'm not sure what that is. I don't know if that's Trevor's story. I don't know what... There is more than one spot to be fixed, right? It's more than just, you know, the starting pitching, of course, shockingly, because the injuries has been terrible. But the offense is just brutal to watch. And they have the worst base running in baseball by a large margin. They continue to ground into double plays at, in, in an unbelievable rate. And part of that is that they have, like, the slowest team in baseball. And their defense stinks. And like those are part, it's, it's cool to build. Like, listen, we've all played Mario Superstar Baseball. Is it fun to make your lineup with King Boo and Bowser and Donkey Kong and Petey Piranha and, you know, Wario and all the, like, just pick the power guys and say, fuck it, I'm just going to hit home runs. Your team probably is going to suck. Like, it's fun. You might go and hit three solo homers and you're still going to lose 10 to three. And that's basically what's happening to the Yankees now is more complete teams are just running them over and they do not have even close to enough consistent offensive performers to get out of this rut. And it's, it's, I mean, it's pretty brutal to watch. And honestly, like the Yankees fans that want to pretend like this team is still has another gear. I don't believe that anymore. This is not, I don't even think the ceiling of this team is nearly as high as I thought it could be at this point. There was a, an era in uh, the Orioles world, Jordan, when the Baltimore Orioles had way too many oversized first base corner outfield types with power. The Yankees right now are just a better version of that type of team. Judge and Stanton, to their credit, have been great. 
they, those two guys have delivered on every level. They've been outstanding. But when you are doing a team construction, you know, and this is maybe hypocritical for us to say, because at the beginning of the year, we looked at the roster and we we're like, this team's going to be great. But I guess what we're learning after watching them for a couple of months is like having Gary, Judge, Stanton, Voigt, Glaber, and Duhar on a team, all of those guys are good pieces to have on a team, but when they, they don't fit together, right? Yeah. They're all too the similar. Piece. Yeah. They're like, all too similar. Like this team needs, it needs like Whit Merrifield, right? It needs like someone with energy with, it needs like peak Josh Harrison, right? It needs someone who is like going to go out there and hit a very soft 310 with no power and play very good defense and be just like a guy that people want to be around. Yes, Bobby Wagner. I know you're not I, I know you're not trying to make fun of Yankees fans and the Yankees, but saying this team needs Whit Merrifield, this team needs Josh Harrison is funnier than anything I could have come up with. <laughs> anything. It's so Yo, funny. It's like David Yo, Fletcher, right? Like Well, listen, Adam Frazier's right there. Adam Frazier's right there. He's he's right there, and I don't know how he's not on the team yet. But honestly, the Yankees need to just trade for the funniest guy in Major League Baseball. I don't care if whoever that is sucks. You know who it is. If you're in baseball, I mean, I don't know. I'm saying like if you're in the game, there's probably like ten dudes who are around who are just an absolute riot in the locker room. Get them, bring them in. You just need to rejuvenate the vibes. Yeah, and part of the you know part of when we looked at the roster was even as much as we think he's kind of boring. It's like well, DJ LeMayu is going to be great. Like there's no we're not worried about that. That was, if anything, the most sure thing we had coming into the Yankee season. And he has been average bordering on bad for now two plus months. So that's a huge deal for them, right? That's a huge guy that they were like, well, we, we got to have DJ, right? That was the whole, everything that we said when they brought him back was like, well, you, this, this team goes nowhere without DJ. And that is actually true, except he's on the team now and making you know, $90 million for the next five years. So hopefully he can get back on track because if he can't, then this offense really starts to look way less scary altogether. Jordan Schusman, do the New York Yankees make the 2021 Major League Baseball postseason tournament? They will be in the wild card game. I do not know which team. I do believe they will still somehow make the wild card, uh, but I don't. I don't think they're winning. Somehow it's going to end up as the Twins. I don't know how the <laughs> Twins are terrible. They're in dead last. But somehow if the Yankees make the wild card game, they'll just put the Twins in there just I for know, I know. old time. This was the Twins' maybe best chance to get in. The Twins aren't even going to come close. Anyway, all right, Jake. That's enough Yankees slander. Not even slander. Okay, it's accurate. that's fine. Can, can it be slander? It's, it's not <laughs> slander if it's the truth. <laughs> all right. Uh, wait, we got to bring Bobby back. I think we have a question for Bobby, right, Jake? Oh, Bobby. Bobby, come back. Bobby, Bobby. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Bobby, pop quiz. Who's the best team in baseball? Who has the most wins? The San Francisco Giants. Correct. Come on. Correct. Come on, baby. Come on. I watch baseball. I watch the teams. Uh, I watch Kevin hey, Gaussman when I can. Attaboy. Attaboy. Good job. Bobby, who's your favorite giant right now? Uh, <laughs> Who do you just love tuning in for? I'm happy for Buster Posey. Is that a good answer? I don't. <laughs> that doesn't sound like you're tuning in. I don't tune in for the Giants unless they're playing sometimes the Dodgers or Padres. All right, so let's break some things down. The San Francisco Giants have the best record in baseball. Okay, Jordan, are you okay? Bobby, you do, look you like see, do you see you guys see my face on this Zoom? You guys can't because it's a podcast. J Jake, I assume you have the Giants baseball reference page up. Uh, yeah, did you, right you see Buster Posey's OPS Plus and freak out? Or did you see Stephen Duggar's <laughs> OPS Duggers. Plus and freak out? <laughs> Stephen Duggar's. Stephen Duggar's. Thank you. Jake okay. Mintz, would you like to read Stephen Duggar's triple I'm just going to go through the, some of the numbers the here. So, for, for some of you, uh, you you newbies here, OPS Plus is a very, it sounds intimidating. It's very simple, okay? OPS is on-base plus slugging. The plus means that it is kind of averaged out. League average is 100, okay? If, you're, if it's zero, you suck. If it's 200, that happens like once every 20 years, okay? Here are some of the giants. Buster Posey, 168 OPS plus. Brandon Belt, 142. Brandon Crawford, 138. Uh, Evan Longoria, 147. Mike Yastrzemski, 118. Steven Duggar, 164. Steven Duggar, and that is basically playing every day. He is slashing 318, 396, 561. He has been outstanding, like legitimately great. And like... You just cracked some code in the space-time continuum that actually brought us back to 2009 by reading all of those... OPS pluses I of mean, those I don't guys. know what's up. Holy shit, man. Like, the Giants are inexplicable. They're both inexplicable and understandable. 
Okay, I'm going to, let me start. Okay. The Giants dynasty that exists right now is attributable to a certain extent to Farhan Zaidi. Okay. What Farhan has kind of established himself as being very good at is finding like the regularly available average major leaguers that a team can then identify and turn into a very, very good player. I- implementing the type of development that leads to such things, Chris Taylor, Max Muncie, Justin Turner, et cetera, right? That's what, when we talked about the Giants at the beginning of the season, we were like, for them to be good, the path for them becoming good needs that process to happen in San Francisco. Okay, okay. Because the farm Just system- to be clear. Does the not first exist. time when you said it, you said the Giants dynasty that exists right now. So you were talking about the Dodgers this whole time, Sorry. right? Did I <laughs> say Giants? I was like, I don't know. Donovan Solano's having a good year. Don't know if I would use the dynasty word for this team. <laughs> I apologize. The dot. Let me let me let me back. The Dodgers dynasty that yes. exists right now. A lot of those pieces were brought in by Farhan and Farhan. Okay, that I agree. With. He then goes to San Francisco to be the general manager. And what we're seeing is like this. Just, I don't know how. Like, they turned Steven Duggar into, like, a top four center fielder in baseball. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. On offense, besides, like, at the, adding the pieces, like, I mean, trade for Talkman, not that Talkman's really been very good, but, like, you know, Darren Ruff and, you know, Lamont Alex Dickerson Wade, and Solano. Dude. Lamont Wade. Lamont Wade's a good example of that, right? Um, and LaStella, you know, before he got hurt. Um, guys like that. You, you see, that's fine. But those are not not necessarily Farhan because like Duggar's been there like he they drafted no, him. I understand like, he's been a giant right but but the pitching is where it's like okay random at, like going for Anthony DiSclefani whose red jersey I'm wearing right now believe it or not don't believe it <laughs> uh, we have to- and get, getting Kevin Gaussman back and Al- a guy like Alex Wood right let alone all the random relievers like Jose Alvarez and I have Carly an apology Garcia, Zach Littell. I need to make yeah. an apology I have never been more wrong about a major league pitcher than I am, than I was about Tyler Rogers. Tyler Rogers, Giants sidearm reliever, throws like 82 miles an hour. Last season, I thought he was like embarrassingly bad to the point that I thought him being in the major leagues was a sham. I thought it was a shanda. Okay. There, I thought he was a disturbance to the legitimacy of major league baseball. I thought he was the worst pitcher I'd ever seen in the major leagues. He currently has a 283 area plus. He has allowed six runs in 38.2 innings. I would like to issue a formal apology to Tyler Rogers. You are good, and I was wrong. The, well, but this is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to say. Jake, I think this is like we talked about last time. With Last time we talked about Alec Bohm and how like this is more with hitters. Like when you, when you watch them, they're dog shit. Or the opposite. Or sorry, when you watch them, they're awesome. But then you look at their numbers and you're like, what the hell? He's hitting 210. With Tyler Rogers, I think it's been the opposite. Where it's like whenever I tune into Tyler Rogers, I'm like, this is a disaster. I've never seen him get an out with my own eyes. And then as the opposite, I pull up his numbers. It's like, holy shit, he's been one of the best relievers in baseball. Tyler Rogers did what everybody tells you to do. He cut off strikeouts by three per nine this year and is having a much better season. (laughs) Last year, 868. This year, 512. If you can if you can ease off on the strikeouts, that's what they say for pitchers. So I mean, look, that makes sense. Look, this team, it's officially on. Okay, we are basically halfway through the season. We're 78 games in, four away from the halfway mark, or three away from the halfway mark. And like, this team's good. They're good. I don't know if they're going to win the division. I think they might not have enough to keep going uh, and really win it, but it's officially in play. The Giants making the postseason is officially in play. And Gabe Kapler, who in Philadelphia exuded, does not know what the heck he's doing energy at every turn. Yeah. Has still when, had some moments of, of that course. this season. Yeah. But I would say that y- it, you cannot take this Giants roster and win this many games if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, that's fair. That's and fair. just an ounce of kudos to Gabe Kapler. But mostly the job he's done so Farhan, far. holy shit. It's an incredible thing. Yeah. And like, they're certainly not entertaining. I realized this past week, I was like, I should probably watch the Giants. <laughs> Should like, watch the I team should with probably the best watch some Giants games. Yeah, yeah. Now I know. But anyway, uh, they are good, and uh, it does set up again. This is something we'll, we'll obviously talk more about down the stretch. But we spend so much time talking about Dodgers Padres, and just imagine. I'm just going to put this image in your in your in everyone's mind here before we move on to this Do next it. segment. Just imagine a Dodgers Padres wild card game. Holy Woo-hoo. shit! 
Holy shit. All right. Jake Mintz, let's move on. Jordan Schuster, let's I believe do we it. wanted to talk a little bit about Omaha. What's been Omaha, going on at the College World Series? Because what happened this past week was uh, chaotic at, at worst. And I mean, chaotic is really the best way to describe it. It was a crazy few days at the College World Series. Obviously, we've talked a lot about college baseball uh, during this uh, on this podcast this season. And we are now at the end as we record this on Tuesday. Uh, the championship, the, the the final series, best of three, uh, is taking place between Vanderbilt and Mississippi State. Vanderbilt won game one. If they win tonight, they will be the national champions. But we are not going to talk about the finals. We're not going to talk about Jack Leiter and Kamar Rocker or Cameron James and Tanner Allen. No, we're going to talk about NC State because uh, we just wanted to address the chaos that happened last week. Um, now, obviously, we are still living in a pandemic. Things are progressing in the right direction. Many people are vaxxed, which is great. And the world is returning back, or at least in America. I know we're very fortunate here. We are returning back to some sort of state of normalcy. Um, and sports has continued on with relatively few interruptions over the last few months. And we've been very fortunate for that. And hopefully, people continue to get vaxxed. However, this has always been looming. And if you thought the Justin Turner situation was crazy in the World Series last year, uh, imagine if the Dodgers had won or had lost, I guess, game six, and then you maybe had come into a a situation that somewhat resembles what happened with NC State on Friday. I'm not sure I can fully recap the events, and I'm not sure it's worth going timeline by timeline, but the point is... I would like to do it. You you want to go timeline? I would also say... Credit to uh, Kendall Rogers at D1 Baseball. He has a free story on D1Baseball.com that runs down the whole timeline events. So Jake will run it down through quickly, but I recommend you reading his story to understand fully what happened with the NCAA Wolfpack last week. So go ahead. Okay, so if this is the first you're hearing of it, around, I'm just going to say when it's sort of bubbling into the public consciousness, right before first pitch on Friday afternoon, the game between Vanderbilt and NC State. The situation in the tournament was that Vanderbilt needed to beat NC State twice in order to reach the final round the final series. NC State was 2-0 at that point, and about a half hour before first pitch of this game, it was delayed about an hour. It then per- kind of trickled out that a number of players on the NC State team had tested positive for COVID, and that there were only 13 eligible players for the team on Friday. It then became known that all of those 13 players were the thir- only 13 players on the team who were vaccinated, and that is important for the context. Those 14, those 14 or 13, sorry, 13 players included nine position players and four pitchers. The pitcher who started the game was a freshman, like barely played at all, all year. The guy who had pitched the previous game for NC State started at first base that day and I believe went three, three for three two hits. off of three for three off of Kamar Rocker, which is incredible. NC State actually lost that game three to one, understandably, because no one who played in that game really had played all year. They had a couple starters, no one really notable uh, beyond the first couple guys in the lineup. Later that night at like 1 a.m., the NCAA determines that the situation was no longer viable for NC State and called their game the next day against Vandy in no contest. NC State out of the tournament, season over, Vanderbilt moved on to the finals. Uh, That's kind of what happened. Now, what we have learned since then is that a number of, a couple of players on the NC State team tested positive at the beginning of the week. Um, or were feeling ill at the beginning of the week and over the course of the week did not receive, the team did not receive the proper amount of testing from the NCAA as you might have been, as might have been ideal. That led to the situation that bubbled out on Friday where the players who were, some players who were vaccinated were tested by NCAA guidelines. They tested positive. They were removed. Um, And players who were unvaccinated were pulled from competition because they didn't have enough time to see if the virus had spread. Now, all nuts. Just just wild stuff. Here's the bottom line for me. I believe personally, first of all, this sucks for NC State. Like, the timing of this is really unfortunate. I feel for those kids. I feel that having a season end like this is unfair. It feels like the NCAA could have handled it better. There should have been more communication from the NCAA. Do you have anything to say? I would also say, can I also just say, for other further context, this NC State team, this was not a team expected to get to this point. Like, they had an amazing season. They had a great season in the ACC, but the fact that they had gotten this far and had gone 2-0 in the World Series 
were on the precipice of something very special, right? This is a team that had, had been on an unbelievable run a, over the last few weeks. So to have this, it feels yeah. extra, whereas just like, it's not like the the team that we were all expecting to win got taken away. Like this was amazing yeah. that it got into this point and then it got taken away from them. So yes, that's it. My personal opinion mm-hmm. on getting vaccinated is the following. I believe that it is, it is a civic responsibility for the public health of your personal community. I am vaxxed, Jordan is vaxxed, Bobby's vaxxed. I, I recommend it. You should go do it. That's my opinion. If you believe that it's a personal choice and it's not something you're doing, I disagree with you, but for the following argument, I'm going to follow your logic here, okay? If you think it's a personal choice and the players on the NC State team who did not get vaccinated, that's your choice. Okay, great, whatever. Choices have consequences. End of story. The NCAA had guidelines. They knew that that was in place. Not getting vaccinated opens the door for risk into something like this happening. They made that personal choice. And under the guidelines and the framework and the paradigm that we're operating in, in 2021, that's a bad personal choice. And these were the consequences of those actions. I don't think it's fair, but there's a reason that Vanderbilt was fine, right? I think we've heard, have we heard public reports, right? That that most of that team is probably vaccinated, if not the entire team. Like that wasn't an issue for them, right? And like, I really feel for some of the NC State kids, but like, this is yeah. Th- this was an avoidable situation, and that's gonna that applies to you could apply it to Major League Baseball, right? I mean, this is an issue that teams now, of course, I think well over almost all the teams are at the eighty five percent now, and I don't know if all the teams are going to get there, but these are real decisions that like affect others, affect your teammates, affect your career, affect your ability to perform clearly, right? It's all a risk, and I don't know if it's who knows the reason for why they didn't want like we don't have to get into that. Um, but yeah, it's unfortunate. I do feel obviously bad for the kids that, you know, were vaccinated, but, but weren't like, it sucks. It's really shady. It's really unfortunate. Um, but if you wanted to run this, you, you, you ran this risk and then that's how your season ends. It's, it really sucks. But, um, I hope this is the last situation like this that we have. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like it might be. You know, and it's it's weird because, you know, the optics of canceling a game like this when the stadium is full is weird, right? But at the same time, these are the guidelines. NCAA has been working under them for for a long time now, in the whole pandemic. And like, you're going to play the game, you got to play by the rules. So uh, the last game is tonight, if you're listening to this on Tuesday night. Uh, if Vanderbilt loses, I believe then the game on Wednesday night, winner take all between them and Mississippi State would be Kamar Rocker. Incredible television, if that's the case. And I think possibly Will Bednar too yeah. who's also a projected top uh, one or two round pick for Mississippi State so if of course if Bandit loses tonight but either way uh, we did just want to touch on that a little bit uh, we are now going to take a quick break and we will be back with a check in on whether Jake is going to have to pour chili onto his head yes we'll explain that uh, right after this this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker. 
the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. We are back here on Baseball Barbecue, a good podcast, in my opinion. I'm Jake Matt. Jake Matz. I'm not Jake Matz. I'm Jake Mintz. That's, I knew you were Steven Matz's kid this whole time. I knew there was a kid? reason you didn't like me because I've been shitting on him. <laughs> brother. Mance. Brother. Kid. kid. I'm like the kid same brother. age. Kid brother. Kid, <laughs> I'm his kid slash brother. Uh, Jordan, we are going Hello. to take a look back. Uh, before the season, we went through the over-under uh, Vegas betting lines for a lot of the major league teams. I, I think made these- some... Abs- I, I just want to clarify. I'm I'm like 99% sure these were the Fangraphs projections. So these okay. were not the over under 7, 77 and a half or whatever. We we went to what Fangraphs is projecting, which obviously is close to the over unders. And we asked, basically, we had a few where Jake said, if team goes over, team does this, blah, 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 he will do X, Y, Z. So we wanted to update you as we, again, reach about the midway we point. We didn't have a few. Jake just decided to come up with these on That's his the own. Thing. This like, was not, he chose not even a planned these. segment. When we it's were just television, baby. When we were just previewing, he was like, ah, fuck it. Let's, you know, talk about Eminem. So, uh, Bobby Wagner is here, our wonderful producer. He's going to run through some of these. And uh, we're just going to check in on what the likelihood of these uh, paying out, as they say. So, Bobby, take it away. Jake said, if the Detroit Tigers go over 72 wins, he will spend an entire day listening to Eminem's whole discography. Every song, start to finish. (laughs) Where are we at on that, Jordan? Okay, so... Great. So I, I, many I, songs. I love this one. I love this one so much. And especially because this one, perhaps unlike some of the others, will definitely be coming down to the wire here. Could you say I, that Jake's palms are getting sweaty? His <laughs> <laughs> knees are getting weak? Yes. Yes. Um, there is to. vomit. There's there's vomit everywhere. Uh, Not just my sweater. Fangraphs right now has them projected to finish at now 70 wins. They have gone, they've played a little bit better lately. Early on, it was like, wow, this team stinks. There's no chance that they're getting to 72. Now you said you said if they go if they go over 72, right? Then then you okay. So what yeah. if it's a push? Um, Does he have to listen to like we we can choose an album that he has to listen to all the if way it's through? A, push, a new a new album. Ooh, it's listen to new Eminem. Ooh, interesting. What about he has to listen to the entire 20 minute freestyle of when he was standing in that parking garage? No, I that's think- an awfully hot <laughs> coffee pot. <laughs> I think I think if it's a push, it half. We just pick half okay. the albums and he does half of it. Okay, okay great, great. Um, okay. So that's 72. If he, if they land on 72. There are 34. So, there are 34 right now. They're proje- again projected to finish 70. I feel so, good about this one. I feel good yeah, about this one. I think you'll you'll probably you mean good as in like you won't have to do it. Yeah, but yes. <laughs> I agree. Okay. All right. What's next, Bobby? If the Angels win 84 games, Jake will try to catch a trout while fishing. Easiest money of all time. I mean, <laughs> Now, Debt taxes and betting the under on the they, Angels. They have been shockingly okay without Trout. Um, obviously, Otani is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Fangraphs right now has them projected to finish at 83. So this is also going to be a close call. Oh my God. But like you, I will always uh, bet the under here. So, um, um, yeah. Shohei Otani has been the greatest baseball player of all time <laughs> in the last three weeks. And they're still under 500. So I feel I feel pretty good. Trout uh, apparently is supposed to be back a little bit after the All Star break. So okay, great. Whatever. Keep an eye on does that. Not, but you're, literally you're not does not matter. Super not worried. Um, as long as Dylan Bundy's vomiting on the mound, you're probably going to be okay. Um, speaking of vomit on his sweater. All right, what's next, Bobby? If the Pirates go under 66 wins, Jake will dress like a pirate and attend a Pirates road game versus the Mets. I believe that that would mean that he would have to do this in the 2022 baseball yeah, yeah, season because yeah. yes. we have to see whether or not they actually go under 66. They, unless, unless they're mathematically eliminated from going under 66 before <laughs> the season even ends. Well, before they, they go have, to New York? Yeah. Have they, yeah, when do they go to New York? Has that even happened yet? No, Let's no, see. I'll, I'll, I'll look that up. No, they go oh. in July. So they go yeah. They go next week. So that's, that's going to be uh, that's going to be hard to do. But um, that said, uh, Fangraphs now has them finishing at 65. Um, you got to feel pretty good about that. Feel good about it. I that looking pretty good. Looking yeah. pretty but that good. again, still the projections have pretty close. So we'll see about that one. All right, what's next? Next up. I'll, by the way, it turns out that Fangraphs doesn't budge off their projections very much, huh? They're pretty good at it. They're like all, every time you read it, it's like the Pirates have been the worst team since 1907, but also they've only gone down one in the Fangraphs predictions. <laughs> hey, you're just trying to be trying to be level headed. 
and mathematical. If the Diamondbacks make the playoffs, and Jake specified the 10-team playoff here, because at this point in the season <laughs> we were doing these previews, we still weren't fucking sure. Thanks, Rob. Uh, if the Diamondbacks make the 10-team playoff, <laughs> Jake will eat snake. Felt well, great about that eat, one. Well, Nailed snake. it. Speaking, Nailed of, it. speaking of mathematical impossibilities, I'm pretty sure the D-backs... The D-backs honestly might get eliminated from at least divisional contention faster than... This is something we're going to have to watch because that could happen in like mid-August. I knew this team was going to be some hot butt and they have been the worst team in baseball. Uh, This was probably the most absurd (laughs) wager to make. uh, And I'm stoked that I don't have to eat snake. Remember, I said this last week. They are, and this is still true, they are 10 games back of the Rockies. Holy shit. All right. What's next, Bobby? Uh, this was this was Jake's boldest prediction. He really went out on an island. He climbed out to the edge of the branch by himself. And Jake er, and Jordan and I were were hugging the tree trunk still. <laughs> if the Phillies miss the playoffs, Jake will write a one page <laughs> paper about why Jalen Hurts is the greatest quarterback of all time. If they make the playoffs, Jordan will write a five page paper on why Jalen Hurts is the greatest quarterback of all time. Either way, Jalen Hurts sounds like the greatest quarterback of all time. For those of you listening, Jordan and I don't watch football. I know nothing about Jalen Hurts. He seems like a nice guy. Um, This looks like something that Jordan's going to have to do. I know the Phillies are currently five games behind the Mets. That's not that much ground. I feel pretty good. Are they 36 and 40? Absolutely. Yes, they are. But are there three teams ahead of them? Potentially. Yes, there are. But like, the Phillies are taking some steps back so they can sprint forward. I don't, I'm not too worried. I think we will both be doing Jalen Hurts research in early September. Hmm. Like, I think we'll both be kind of like, ooh. Hitting the library? No. no. The Phillies are going to be 15 games out of playoff <laughs> contention by September. Maybe if they'd kept they kept game They are not good. Single, they are not good. Single I'm willing spaced. to be wrong here. I'm not willing to commit to writing any amount of pages of paper about right. how good or Bad Jalen Hurts. No, he is this good. is twelve point five times New Roman. By the single way, no space. bullshit. Single space. Uh, no ooh, size so I can't thirty. Single space five pages. That would literally take me a long fucking time. All right. No size thirty punctuation either. By the way, is that what it? is next, Bobby? Maybe we have a couple more. No, there's only one more. One more. Uh, <laughs> if the Coors Cat does not reappear this season, Jake will watch Cats, the 2019 achievement in cinema, and live tweet it. So my take with this was that the Coors cat was staged. Uh, the cat that ran out next to Cody Bellinger like on the first week, first day of the season, I believe, right? And there was the yeah, meme was with Cody Bellinger. And like I was like, okay, this is staged. This is not real. This is just getting people to watch Rockies games. Cat. And now with yeah. the All-Star game heading to Denver, I think Ooh. I feel good about some sort of Coors cat situation happening at the All-Star weekend. I am not... If it does not happen then, then I don't think we're going to see it, and I will watch Cats. But beyond that, I feel good about seeing some Coors Cat in Denver. Who are you most excited for in the cast of Cats? Uh, Idris Elba, because he's he's incredibly There's hot. There's some crazy shit, man. Right. Do I need to be? Yeah, do playing, I need yeah, to be? Yeah, uh, not, sober for this. No, that wasn't. Okay, it's not going to help. That wasn't in either specified. Direction. Idris Elba, uh, he plays a cat named McCavity. Macavity. Oh, like my upper left molar. My, I got a macavity. Wait, quick cavity thing. Great line from one of my little league kids yesterday. We had like this gross baseball. Like, you know, like when a baseball turns brown and it just becomes a BP ball. My dude just goes, this ball has cavities. <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I personally, I know Jordan's really excited for James Corden's performance as Bustopher Jones, but I'm a big rum tum tugger guy. That's Jason Derulo. Bobby, I'm going to need you to go Thanks, ahead and um, cut this, the video and sound off of your end so that we can move away from cats. Wait, shock, hold on. Talk. One more. Wait, wait, getting you, missed, ready. you skipped one, Bobby. You skipped oh, one. who's that? The Reds. You skipped the Reds one, which I teased. Oh, did I? Yeah. yeah. We, we oh, I did one, skip the Reds one. I did skip the Reds one. That's my fault. Uh, I forgot about the Reds, much like all of Major League Baseball has for the last 10 years. Uh, if the Reds go over 79, Jordan can dump a plate of Cincinnati chili on his head and record it. 79? It was that low? Ooh. <laughs> Fangraphs Don't has them, love that. Has them finishing at 81 and 81. They have been, they've been a weird team because, again, they have basically 
we are very likely at this point going to have Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker in the National League starting outfield, which is insane and very cool, honestly, for the Reds. But Suarez has been a catastrophe. Castillo's been a catastrophe. I don't really know what to make of this team. Um, but I think over 79, I still actually feel pretty good about. So yeah, Castillo's one, coming into form uh, just right before his private plane to Queens. Let's go. Um, oh, interesting. It. Terrible take from Bobby Wagner. I love uh, that. So just to review, just to review one by one, uh, Detroit, I feel good. Not going to have to do M&M. Angels feel good. Not probably going to have to go fish a trout. The Phillies probably going to have to write about Jalen Hurts. The Reds probably going to have a bowl of chili dumped on my head. The Diamondbacks probably not going to have to eat snake. Definitely not. Definitely not. And Course I cat. feel like and course cat. So pretty you're good. Gonna, oh, wait, you skipped the pirates this time. Oh, you're not going to have to dress like a pirate and go I'm to City Field. Like All right. Pretty good. Feel yeah, good about that. Pretty solid. All right. Let's move on to the good, the bad, the ugly, where we tell you what was good, what was bad, and what was Dan Ugla over the last week in honor of Marlins icon Dan Ugla, whose name was Dan Ugla. Not sure if you knew that. Jake Mintz, would you like to start us off with your good? Yeah, Jordan. You know who's good? This is very simple. You know who's good? Yeah, Edwin Diaz. Edwin Diaz is good. Ooh, okay, nice. Tell me about Eddie D. Eddie D. You know, receives a lot of vitriol in 2019 after his high-profile trade to the Mets, and he was awful in 2019. And then last awful. year he was very, very good, and this year he's been very, very good again. He price. is not the best closer in baseball like he was when they traded for him. Mm-hmm. But he is certainly a good closer. He's up there in saves. His ERA striking is good. Out, striking out, striking a, out a lot of guys. Yeah. And I think that this is a really appropriate way for the Edwin Diaz story to kind of play out. He is not elite. He is outstanding at his job. Mm-hmm. And he is no longer the recipient of vitriol amongst Mets fans. And I'm very happy about that because we love Edwin Diaz. One of the nicest, Absolutely. most joyful people we've ever had the pleasure of speaking to. And the fact that he has now become a non-story in Mets world, I think is notable and a good thing overall. So huzzah to Eddie D. Great pick, great pick. Uh, My good for this week is another obvious one, and I was getting a little worried because we didn't cross-reference these, uh, is Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw in particular, I'm going to do a very specific Clayton Kershaw thing, all right? So Clayton Kershaw struck out 13 uh, in his last start uh, over the weekend. He has been ridiculously excellent. He is now only throwing his fastball about 35% of the time, and that is because he is throwing this amazing slider. Now, if you listen to this podcast back when we did the best pitch of all time pod, we had Eno Sarason, who gave us the most cut and dry, like, well, I'll just sort by pitch values over the last 20 years, and yeah, Clayton Kershaw's slider is the best pitch ever. We're like, all right, that seems a little... It seems silly, a, a, a sort of simple, silly way to do that. Like, and he's known for his curveball, right? But I got to say, man, you look at it this year, it is the pitch that has garnered the most, it has the most strikeouts of any pitch in baseball. It is, it, more strikeouts have finished on Clayton Kershaw's slider than any other single pitch in baseball. By a large margin, he's at 92 of his strikeouts have finished on the slider, um, just ahead of Kevin Gaussman's splitter. Um, and I don't know if it's the greatest pitch of all time, but the fact that that pitch has now has been anchoring Clayton Kershaw's resurgence as one of the best pitchers in baseball. One is like, oh yeah, you know, it was really smart. What a freaking surprise. And two, like, holy shit, he's one of the greatest ever and he is now going to continue. We talked about what, what more does Kershaw do? He finally has his ring, right? But to see him back at this level is great. I know you love Kershaw and um, it's it's cool to see. So I know I'm not usually the first guy to do it, but that specific one, wanted to shout out Eno Saris because that pitch has been truly one of, if not the best pitch in baseball this year. And uh, he's he's a, a huge uh, part of the reason why um, the Dodgers are obviously still really good. Uh, all right, that is my good. What is your bad? I have a pitcher for my bad. What do you have for your bad? I have a pitcher for my bad, but it is not the pitcher himself being bad. It is okay. a situation. Okay. Jordan, Mickey Janice. Let's talk about mm, Mickey Janice. Okay, yeah, let's do it. I wrote a full profile on Mickey Janice over at foxsports.com. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. I think you should read it. Uh, but here's the deal. Mickey Janice... 11 years bouncing around the minor leagues. And indie ball. ball. Four years. Four years. An independent ball. An incredible story. Knuckleballer gets called up by the Orioles for his big league debut as a 33-year-old rookie. One of the oldest rookies in like the last, you know, handful of years. Really incredible story. Comes up. Your first assignment, Mickey Janus, 
you're going to pitch on an incredibly hot night in the launch pad that is Camden Yards against the Astros in relief. Hey, guess what? Didn't turn out too good. Allowed seven runs in three and a third innings, including three homers. He walked four, only struck out one. I don't believe he had a single swinging strike uh, the entire time. But then the Orioles sent him down right after they DFA'd him back to AAA Norfolk. Not great. And like, what's bad about this for me is, look, it's a feel-good story. I get it. Is Mickey Janice a good major league pitcher? Probably not. But like a guy who spent 11 years in the minor leagues to send him down after one outing on a team that's not going anywhere. I understand that you want to give guys a shot, but like Mickey Janice, after that amount of time, deserves a little bit more run than one outing against the best offense in the American League out of the bullpen. I don't know. It it just ticked me off because we don't want to be giving like feel-good spots to everyone all the time just for stories. But like Mickey Janice, in my opinion, grinded long enough and hard enough that he deserved at least three appearances. Also, every knuckleballer is capable of going on a little run, right? Like if you, especially if you're the Orioles and you watch Cesar Valdez essentially be a knuckleballer without a knuckleball and have it work for two months, like, yeah, come on, let's give him another shot. And maybe he will Speaking, see another shot. I mean, they, you know, they, they outrighted him and maybe he'll be back. So. Speaking of Cesar Valdez. Yeah. What never about heard him? of him. Never yeah. heard of him in his five, seven, four ERA. Don't know who that is. Yikes. I certainly have not watched the Orioles very much lately. He's All been, right. he's been injured. He's been injured. My, yes, oh, that's true. My bad this week is Garrett Richards. Garrett Richards is a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Garrett Richards has been known in his career as someone with tantalizing stuff due to ridiculous spin rates that have been true since the day he arrived in the major leagues. He has had some of the craziest spin in the league. Okay? That's been true back to the Angels. Okay? And he's always struggled with control. Okay, can he start? Okay, maybe he can be good in relief. Oh, he had some injuries. All right. But like, there's always something. And when a smart, you know, the Red Sox, Heinblum gives him gives him a one-year deal. It's like, all right, maybe if Garrett Richards could be a part of this, and the Red Sox have still been good, but it has not be, been become of Garrett Richards. And what has happened now in the last two weeks with the substance, sticky stuff's crackdown, is that Garrett Richards has basically admitted, like, I can't even pitch it. Like he's like to an extreme degree has had some quotes where I'm like, holy shit, dude, like this is the kind of melt. It's one thing for like, okay, Cole and Bauer are not looking like superhumans anymore. And like, that's fine. That's honestly what I would like to see from this crackdown is the pitchers who are throwing stuff that is completely unhittable return to just like merely awesome. Right. But what we haven't seen is like pitchers in this case where it's like, oh, wait a minute. Like you literally cannot, Function. And, and the, the reason I say this is not just the fact that his numbers have been bad and his, his he's saying it himself. He's saying, like, I he has a quote. Um, this was last week before his his most recent start, where he was like, um, this is in Mass Live. Um, our good friend Chris Catello, of course. A good story on this. Said um, after he had his first start, where he was really he, he basically stopped throwing his curveball altogether. And last night when he pitched, he completely abandoned throwing the curveball the way he has done it for his entire career. He suddenly started throwing a slow curveball because he just couldn't pitch the pitch he's been throwing for his entire time. And Garrett Richards without spin literally might not be a big leaguer. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, if you look at his StatCast page, if you pull up his StatCast sliders, everything is all the way blue to the left except his 100th percentile curveball spin and 97th percentile fastball spin. If that goes away, I, this dude might be DFA the next few weeks. And the fact that he's saying things like, I can't think of worse time, to be honest with you, for them to change this. If you watch baseball across the league, you're going to see some interesting things. Be prepared for four-hour-long games and some interesting things. I don't know. I'm just grateful that I got this far into my career before we're at this point. Wow. I'm like, dude, like, why are you... And of course, he's not admitting, like, oh, this is stuff I use. And I feel bad for him, too, because this is the bullshit part of MLB doing this in the middle of the season. So I feel for him in that sense. But, man, it's... That's really crazy and crazy stark that he's just like, I can't do anything I was doing before. Anything. I can't even throw the pitch that I've getting me to this point. And saying that, like, I can't believe I've gotten to this point before the crackdown is is honestly staggering. And uh, I, I think this is a minority. I think this is an extreme case. Mm-hmm. But my bad is just this whole situation for Garrett Richards. I do feel for him. But big yikes. And also, he's clearly not going to be helping the Red Sox. Try and stay in first place. All right, let's move to the Ugla. What is your Ugla this week, Jake? My ugly this week, Jordan, was a moment last Tuesday. It was alerted to us by a friend of the program, Chip, 
the Royals fan. Mike Matheny, did you see this? I don't think I did. Uh, in a Royals-Yankees game at Yankee Stadium going into the bottom of the ninth, I think the Yankees ended up winning this game on a walk-off, but the Royals were up 5-4, bottom nine, and Mike Matheny himself went out to warm up the pitcher I in the bottom <laughs> yes. of the ninth. I'm not sure why. I don't know if there was a catcher who was injured or unavailable, but, but there's a picture of Matheny squatting back there behind home plate, just warming up the pitcher. I believe it's Greg Holland. Just warming up the pitcher like this is college or Little League or whatever. And we never see anything like this. We never really see managers do athletic baseball activities ever at all, even though in, you know, Little League and college and high school, that happens all the time. I, I can't picture any current major league um, manager throwing batting practice. You know what I mean? The only one who really is different is Ron Washington, who I can imagine like doing 95 different things, but he's not a head coach, head manager anymore. But this was just great. I just loved it because Mike Matheny obviously like would loves baseball. And he just was like, yeah, I'll hop back there. Like I'll warm up our guy. Maybe it made an impact because Craig Holland blew the save and they lost. But <laughs> I do think that the timing of it is notable to me because managers for the first six innings of most games, unless you're Kevin Cash, <laughs> aren't really doing anything, right? You're just kind of watching. Keeping an it. eye on stuff. Keeping an eye on stuff. The ninth at Yankee Stadium, when you like, that's when you're really keeping an eye on stuff. And maybe that was it. Maybe he was like, I really need to see how Greg Holland's doing here. I'm gonna get back there. <laughs> I like, like whoever the hell's the backup catcher with Cam Gallagher. He's like about to run out. He's like, oh, no, no, I got it. I got it. You're good. You're good. It's fine. Uh, no, I do love that. That is that is that is wonderfully ugly. My ugly this week. Uh, Bobby Wagner prepared to unmute. My ugly this week is a story from Disha Thosar with the New York Mets. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Uh, beat reporter for the Daily News. Bobby, did you see the story about the Mets post-game dance parties? I did see the story. I did not read it though. Jake Mintz, did you see this story? No. All right, I'm going to read you an excerpt. Basically, she does a story about... Now, this is not, this is not criticizing Disha because this is a great story. And I'm glad... By the way, great. We've already seen the, the dividends of, of reporters being to actually talk to players again in person. Like, that is already <laughs> clearly becoming a thing. She basically had a story. It's like, yeah, the Mets are like celebrating their wins. They're doing the dance parties, whatever. They're doing... It's a very normal... Whatever. Great. Although I will say, I love this because every time there's a story like this, the team, the guys in the team are like, baseball players think they're so like freaking you know rocket science and she's like yeah like we just like we're just trying to stay loose we're trying to dance we're trying to celebrate it's hard to win in the major league so we're gonna dance I'm like okay i get it. it's cool but the excerpt that we have to read here is here we go the idea to create a party in the mets clubhouse after every win was actually introduced before the 2020 season former manager carlos beltran i saw the team, this bought the team's smoke machines and lasers to pump up the atmosphere but they never saw the use for two reasons. First, the Mets cut ties with Beltron because of his involvement in the Astros side ceiling scandal before he ever managed a game. And second, the Mets are pretty sure Yoannis Cespedes took the smoke machines and lasers with him when he opted out of the 2020 season. Amazing. The language there is so um, important. Because, you know, these stories get edited. They go through rounds and rounds. Disha's a wonderful reporter. I believe it. But the fact that the, the Mets are pretty sure... Well, no, there's a, there's a quote. There's a quote from Jeff McNeil. He says, I'm pretty sure, I think, oh, sorry, J.D. Davis. I think Cespedes took them. Last year, I was like, where are the lasers and everything? And people were like, uh, I think Cespedes took them back to his place in Florida. I was like, what? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, now, obviously, as the number one UNS Cespedes fans, we miss him dearly. And hope he's I just well. like that. But the day that he left, that he had the wherewithal to like toss the smoke machine in the bag, in his bag, like on the way out the door seems unrealistic to me. I know. But I also love that. How long was Carlos Beltran, the manager of the Mets? How many days was it? It was like a month. Was it, it was even two a month? months? It was two, two months. months. Okay. It was like so, a, right. a month before the winter meetings to the day that you left the Dominican Republic, which true, which is, which is, Notable. That is more time than I than I thought it was. But it is funny. Like, at what point in that was he like, all right, like I've called the players, I've gotten to know them. All right, smoke machine and lasers. Dance party. Let's do that. Like, <laughs> let's make sure we have that ready to rock. Like, we are gonna have a good time. Um, Yankees could use this. <laughs> hey, dude, actually, if I'm the Yankees, 
Uh, if I'm the Yankees, I'm calling Yoannis and I'm saying, yes. <laughs> can we get those smoke machines? I can think it's those? good vibes if you take the Mets smoke machines. Mm-hmm. What role do you think the smoke machine plays in the sign stealing scheme? Mm. Do you think it like covers up the fact that they're like talking or looking at video well, what, or what? What Jake was describing when it was like, oh, the wherewithal to bring the smoke machine. It made me think that he was using the smoke machine to like disappear like it was a magic act. <laughs> Like, that's how he vanished. Poof, right? <laughs> Carlos Beltran, gone. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I like saying, how much, I'm saying for Yo, when he disappeared, and the Mets were like, we don't know where he is. I like how much J.D. Davis, I especially like how much J.D. Davis is featured in this because, like, he's just weirdly has this broken hand and he can't hold a bat, but you know what he can do? Dance party. <laughs> he can party. He can party. Anyway, so uh, that was wonderful. I love that uh, Yo continues to just pop into our lives for no reason. I uh, hope he's well. By the way, uh, Little Yo, uh, Yo Elkis, I believe, made his professional debut recently with the Winston-Salem Dash, so shouts out to him. Okay, that is it for this podcast. Oh, just kidding. We have to tell you about Jake biking to Chicago. It's on, baby. It's on, Jake. Drop some deets, and then we will say goodbye. I'm going to drop some deets, Jordan. The trip begins officially on July 22nd from New York City and arrives in Chicago on August 4th. Those of you keeping track at home, that's 14 days to get from New York City to Chicago by bike. Why am I doing this? Well, if you're new to the podcast, about nine months ago, I went on this here podcast, and I said that if the White Sox hire Tony LaRusso, there's no way they would do it. I would bike. I would walk to Chicago, is what I said. That's not happening. Sorry. I'm biking it instead. Uh, It's really happening. We're going to be raising money for Lost Boys Inc., an organization uh, uh, in Chicago. We'll have a lot more details on that. Going to raise a lot of money for a good cause for for them. And like, it's just, it's a reality, Jordan. You know? It's going down. I'm eating the boot, Bobby. Yeah. I'm doing it. Bobby, it's happening. And I hope, uh, you know, we'll see how we go about. I mean, listen, Jake, as you all know, Jake's podcasted from the side of the road many times. Um. Oh, the but, pod's not going to stop. I mean, we're going to oh, do the of pod. Course, of course. So that, that will not be a problem. But uh, that is In happening. this earnest moment, can you be honest with me? How do you feel about your leg's ability to do this? Okay. I have not biked over 40 miles in... Oh, that's not true. I guess I did in, in LA. But I, um, I have not really been doing long rides, to be honest with you. But well, time to start again. Or don't I feel okay. just do personal it. choice. Like you really want to challenge yourself more. No, I've like, just been coaching Little League, and that takes up like a ton of my time. Right, right, right. You right, should right. coach Little League while you do bike around the field. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Good right. idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that is the update. Obviously, keep an eye on our Twitter account. That's twitter.com slash CESP. <laughs> <laughs> you can uh you know obviously Bobby, we'll keep you posted. On Bobby, that. are you going to come? You can you going to come uh come come by. When are you arriving in Chicago? August 4th. August 4th. I can't. I can't. I'm out of town. I'm on vacation yeah, that you're out week. of town. You're in Chicago with us. <laughs> yeah, sounds like you're going to be in a town called Chicago. I'll just be crossing the Rocky Mountains on my bike by then, so I don't think I'm going to make it at that time. Mm, right. I see. I sounds see. like an excuse, yeah. but that's fine. We will work on that with Bobby. Thank you to Bobby Wagner for producing. Thank you to Mike Wargon for also helping to produce this wonderful podcast of Baseball Barbecue. Thing. If you're, oh, you have one more thing? This Thursday afternoon at 5.30 p.m., the team that I coach, that I help manage, Harlem Little League's tournament all-star team, Jordan. We are playing at home, 120th and 5th, Marcus Garvey Park, oh, 5.30 first oh, pitch. Oh, baby. A- elimination game. Oh, baby. Win to survive. If you want to watch some high-level Little League baseball fellow New Yorkers, come out, cheer on the squad. It's going to be a good time. And if you're listening to this and podcast, you free. should go check it out. If you're listening to this podcast and, and you've listened all the way and you said, why the fuck haven't they talked about the Marlins and Blue Jays trade? Here it is. Here's the analysis. Adam Simber, pretty good. All right. Have a good week. Talk to you later. Thanks. Thanks.